Hey Survivors, Makeshift here with a quick note before we kick off our new story titled The Ones Who Came Before. We're doing a raffle prize for our Patreon supporters coming up real soon, and I'll have the details for that after the break, so make sure you stick around. But for now, enjoy the show. Legends of Wasteland City is a post-apocalyptic anthology series and may contain references to drugs, sex, and violence along with the occasional vulgarity. You've been warned. Dukes of the Nuke, The Ones Who Came Before, Chapter 1. Mutt crawled on his stomach. The dry, rocky dirt and piercing hard grass scratched at his sunburned flesh. He slowed his pace, cresting the hilltop just enough to get a look at the camp below. These raiders were usually too busy getting drunk, gambling, and beating or raping some new prisoners of theirs to notice anyone encroaching on their camp, but he wasn't going to take any chances of being seen. It was early evening and finally cooling off but it was still light enough to recon the area. He counted a few dozen men walking around amongst the buildings and ruins. If he could count that many out in the open, there were sure to be many more that he couldn't see. The area these raiders took over used to be a small highway rest stop before the fall. A couple gas stations, a motel and restaurant, maybe a dozen houses or so. Though anything made of wood had rotted out a long time ago, just leaving the concrete and rusting steel buildings behind. And that's where these raiders had been held up for a few months. They never stayed in one place too long. They'd take anything they could find, steal from whatever survivor camps happened to be nearby, and move on when they'd used up all the supplies and remnants of the old world. Usually, Mutt would avoid places like this. As a matter of fact, so would his whole tribe, known as the Dukes. They were gun runners, and usually very well armed. They could easily take on these raiders, who mostly carried baseball bats, knives, and a handful of functioning small caliber guns, but wiping out a whole village of, well, customers was not good for business. The Dukes, led by the notorious war chief Grimm, never cared much for who they sold to, as long as they didn't cause any problems. Besides, selling a few guns to raiders like these could up the demand for any survivors willing to stand their ground. If guns were the problem, more guns were the solution. Mutt could have come fully armed, or at least brought his own backup. The twins, Trench, and his sister, Shithook, who were the only other teenagers in the tribe, would have for sure joined him, but they were on a gun-running mission with me, makeshift. Still, Mutt's current objective required a bit of finesse, the kind only a single 16-year-old duke with his light-footed ability to blend into the shadows could pull off. So today, the rest of his tribe didn't know he was here, and so far the bloodbacks didn't either, and he planned to keep it that way. Down behind one of the gas stations was a small cinder block building inside a chain link fence. Alongside it was a tower for the Old World's FM radio broadcasters that would have entertained travelers for a hundred miles or so between Barstown and Needles, playing music and telling the news, traffic, and weather. Barstown still stood, though now its population was four or five hundred maybe. Needles was long forgotten as anything but a couple crumbling road signs. There used to be a few radio stations like this around here, but that was back in the old world. Now the only station broadcasting in this part of the desert was the one at the Duke's camp, run by a small outpost of the Wasteland Communication Corporation, 
a group of techies who worked to rebuild some semblance of society. They had outposts throughout the wasteland and trade routes to connect each one. They'd gotten the radio tower back at the Duke's camp up and running a few years back. They had a few dozen music discs they played on rotation and would broadcast news out to the other survivors. The Dukes liked having them around because it helped them get the word out whenever they had a new haul of merchandise to sell, and the WCC sure didn't mind having free security for their outpost. But the radio station had stopped broadcasting a few days ago. Something broke, and Mutt was here to try to find a new one. The corporation's radio man that everyone only knew as the Swede called it a vacuum tube or something like that. It looked like a funky light bulb, but it had much greater purpose than illuminating the dark desert nights. It helped power the amplifier in the radio room. Without one, they couldn't broadcast. And Mutt had become fond of the music that played in camp and the daily sermons by Brother Justify, who had showed up one day with a few other survivors, back when Mutt was just a kid and promised to help rebuild. Little did the war chief know at the time that they meant rebuilding hearts and souls more so than help with any actual labor. Still, Mutt was determined to get the radio working again, and he was just a hundred yards or so from the only other radio tower he'd seen in the area. All that stood in his way were these damn raiders. If he got caught, the best case scenario would be that he would be ransomed back to the Dukes for some ammo. War Chief Grimm was loyal to his people, but he hated spending any bullets he didn't have to. Mutt would probably end up on latrine duty for a month for the inconvenience of having to buy him back from this bunch of lowlifes. Or maybe they'd just kill him on sight, or worse still, make him some kind of slave to work in the day and be worked at night. But he tried not to think about that. Justify had promised him a great reward if he could bring back a vacuum tube and get the radio working again. Watching so many of the raiders moving around the rest stop, Mutt knew he'd have to wait for dark until most of them either fell asleep or passed out. Mutt crept backwards down the hill where he'd be safely out of view. He dug in his pocket, pulled out an old MRE pouch and made the best of this less than gourmet meal. It had cheesy beef pasta, meat sticks, a pack of nuts and a jelly packet. The pasta came with a chemical heater, but they mostly didn't work anymore. Every now and then you'd get one that did, and boy, was that a treat. But after the long trek through the old desert highway from the Duke's camp, Mutt would be happy with the cool meal. These MREs were regular chow for his tribe. Unless they happened to trade for some fresh meat, milk, or cheese from the Barstown tribes, or were able to turn up some prickly pear that grew wild. But the old military base where they were currently residing had rooms full of the old military rations buried deep underground. They'd been lucky to be the first to find them, along with the stores of weaponry and ammunition. There weren't a whole lot of customers out here in the middle of the Mojave Desert, and that was true even before the fall, but word gets around and outlanders would travel for hundreds of miles to get their hands on these old world weapons that weren't covered in rust, and some fresh bullets to go along with them. From over the hill, Mutt heard a roar of sound. There was a bunch of yelling like an angry mob was forming. He packed up the rest of his foil-wrapped meal, threw it in the pocket of his cargo pants, and crawled back up the berm to get a better look. A bunch of raiders were surrounding two men who were squared off and ready to fight. Mutt couldn't make out what the problem was, but the rest of the raiders seemed to be egging them on. The two charged at each other, swinging fists left and right with the crowd cheering at each connecting blow. The sound brought the rest of camp running to see what the excitement was. A crowd of a hundred at least gathered while the two men fought like wild animals. Mutt had never seen anything like this before. He knew the raiders were violent. They killed entire families for a few cans of food, but here they were cheering while two of their own were trying to kill each other. Some of the raiders on the inside line of the crowd threw things near the men while they fought. What were they though? 
One of the fighting men picked one up. It was a machete. They were throwing blades into the fight. The one with the machete took a swing and missed, and the second man was able to pick up a blade of his own. They squared off again, and the crowd went absolutely crazy, yelling, screaming at the fighting men. Mutt ducked down behind the hilltop. He'd seen enough, but still heard as the crowd yelled with each swing of the blades. There was a huge cheer from the mob, and then quiet. It was over. He turned and looked back over the hill. One of the men was in the middle of the circle, holding his blade high over his head. The other was on the ground, with a wound in his neck or maybe the side of his head, still moving but barely. He coughed blood. The crowd celebrated this victory, but then hushed without warning. A tall, dark figure flanked by a couple well-armored heavies with red scarves draped over their shoulders and what looked like machine guns walked in from outside the circle, and the raiders made plenty of room around him while he did. He walked over to the victor, wrapped his arm around him and pressed their heads together. Then he pulled a cloth from his jacket and walked over to the man on the ground. The dying man was holding the wound on his neck trying to stop the flow of blood, but the dark man pulled his hand away from the rushing gash and used the cloth to soak the blood that spilled from his neck. When the cloth was soaked with that deep red hue, he laid it over the victor's shoulder. It was similar to the ones that the two heavies wore. The dark figure spoke. Ah! Hello, Bloodbacks. I'd like you to welcome our newest bulwark. Bye! The crowd cheered. Mutt had heard of them before. Bloodbacks? There were a lot of raider clans throughout the wasteland, but none as feared as the Bloodbacks. They were ruthless, violent, and not many wastelanders survived to tell anything about them. And the bulwarks, zealots' lieutenants, were the worst of them, leading packs of Bloodbacks on violent raids. Bile here has earned himself the honor of the Red Cloth. He turned directly to Bile. May you instill fear into the hearts of men and gods alike. Bile nodded proudly. The tall, dark figure then walked over to the dying man and stood over him. He looked up and addressed the crowd. Now it's come to my attention that a few of you are new. So let me explain this here one time. I am Zealot, and this here is my camp. And while you're here, Consider yourself family. See, you work for me. You'll take what I tell you to, and kill who I tell you to. And if you don't like it, well, let's just say uh, you like it. <laughs> you see, Jonesy down there was weak. He let a poor young girl live on her last raid, told her to hide until we were gone. Well, three nights ago, that little girl came to this camp, my camp, with the intentions of killing me. <laughs> and all I did was kill her parents and her brother and the rest of her pathetic little outlander tribe. The raiders let out a laugh as the dying Jonesy watched Zealot, who kneeled down beside him, pulling a small rusty blade from his belt. And this was the knife she carried. With sudden rage in his eyes, Zealot plunged the knife into the dying man's chest. <clears throat> Jonesy's head lurched up. Zealot cradled the man's head with his arm and then whispered something Mutt couldn't hear. Then he stood up. Now we have a lot of enemies out there. And some people just don't believe in the power of what we're doing here. This camp is just the beginning. 
We're building a new world in this wasteland. One with all the food, all the booze, and all the poon you can eat. Where we take what we want and leave only ashes behind. But for us to build this here world, well, there's just no room for the weak. And Jonesy was weak. With each death of the weak among us, we grow stronger. And tonight, we celebrate Bile, who's earned his place at my table. And with that, he spat at the dead man and walked away. A few others in the circle did the same and the dead man was left there, blade still on his chest as the raiders dispersed back throughout the camp. Bottles were opened and fires were lit as the sun settled behind the mountains. The whole camp was energized, celebrating the death of one of them and the promotion of another. Mutt was a bit shaken by all this. He felt the adrenaline in his veins and his hands shook. He'd seen plenty of dead people before, even seen a few people die, but nothing like this. He'd be stuck waiting a little longer than expected. Maybe he'd get his chance a little before sunrise, after they'd all drunk themselves to sleep. For now, he thought he may as well try to get a little sleep himself, if he could just get those images out of his head. A Mutt Like Me was written by Mike Makeshift Darling, narrated and edited by Makeshift. Mutt was played by Sean Cunningham. Zealot was played by Jay Preston. Legends of Wasteland City is a production of the Apocalypse Post. Stick around after the break for more from Makeshift. of the wasteland used to be crawling with raiders. Folks that just couldn't get along and tried to take things that wasn't theirs. And they got away with it for a little while too. But then all that changed the day Dead Raider Jerky came to town. Now in three styles. Original, spicy rads, and extra crispy. Every sack of Dead Raider Jerky is slow roasted to tender perfection on a hot rock under the red sky. The way mama nature intended. Dead Raider Jerky. Fuck it. Let's eat the bastards. Hello, survivors. What'd you think of the new storyline featuring Mutt from the Dukes of the Nuke? He's an original character. He doesn't actually exist yet, but someone might fill those shoes at some point. This one's going to be several weeks long, so strap in. Mutt's going to get a lot more than he bargained for when he finally makes his way into the Raider camp, which features the Bloodbacks. Again, all new characters. They don't exist at Wasteland yet. They're not based on anybody's lore. They're just something new. So... I don't know if someone ever wants to take on the Bloodbacks as a raider tribe for the Wasteland world, please feel free to do so. Um, but yeah, they are notoriously violent. I kind of, you know, when you think about it, um, the Bloodbacks at an event like Wasteland Weekend would probably be in Undertown, right next to the Skullduggers and the Petro Pirates and the Attack Squad. The Dukes and the Nuke, they, they like to think of themselves as fairly neutral. Gunrunners, mercenaries, available for hire, not necessarily good or bad, but all those tribes that are in Undertown, they, um, 
they sure are bad. And here's the crazy thing. I was having a discussion on this show when we were talking about the Battle of Fifth Street with the Baron and at last year's Wasteland Weekend in 2021, I had heard this weird rumor that the Skullduggers were trying to rebrand. I don't know where that rumor came from. I don't remember who said it to me. But um, when I mentioned that to the Baron, he was like flabbergasted. What do you mean we're trying to go good? We're not trying to go good. So it was kind of interesting. But then we did have a discussion, I think it was off the show, where he talked about how I brought that up and he didn't know what I was talking about. And he was like, well, maybe there's like this new feeling going on out in the wasteland world. And he brought up a really interesting point, which is back when the Skullduggers were, were originated, they were straight up bad guys, raiders, uh, thugs for hire, that kind of thing. And now they're still all those things, just a little bit more civilized. They have a little bit of uh, self-governance and, um, you know, the Baron is the magister of Undertown and he has this whole organized pyramid of leadership. Uh, so maybe that's what it was, is just they're, they're still bad. They're just civilized bad. <laughs> chaotic bad? No. Neutral bad. No, what's it called? Um, chaotic, neutral, uh, what are those? I'm going to look it up right now. Chaotic, neutral chart. There it is. Um, so they, yeah, here we go. Chaotic good, chaotic evil, lawful evil. Oh, okay. So they they used to be chaotic evil, but maybe now they're like neutral evil or lawful evil on this uh, lawful good to chaotic evil chart. And I would say the Dukes of the Nuke are probably chaotic neutral. Maybe. Maybe lawful neutral. I'm not sure. I guess they could be true neutral. Yeah. The Dukes are true neutral. I'm going to declare that right now. Actually, I might have to discuss this with my tribe and figure it out. It would be really interesting to build this chart with all the tribe names on it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to start that right now. Oh, yeah. And I can make it taggable. <gasps> this will be great. Okay. I'm going to form a lawful good to chaotic evil chart. And then um, on the Apocalypse Post Facebook page, go on there and tag your tribe where it belongs. Because I really want to see this spread. I'm guessing there's going to be quite a few in all the extremes. Well, no. Now that I think about it, it could be a, a pretty even spread. I cannot wait to see this. Okay, this is going to be really cool. Let's do this thing. So, yeah. I'm going to post up the chart from Lawful Good to Chaotic Evil with, and it's nine iterations, and I want you to tag your tribe in the box that you think your tribe belongs. And I cannot wait to see how it pans out. Okay, uh, moving on. In today's episode, you heard the wonderful voice of my good friend, Jay Preston, who played Doc Schofield in the Contingency series. But he's back as a new character this time playing Zealot. And what a performance he gave. He really brought some life to this character. And... Give me a thumbs up if you agree. Uh, I'm super excited because he made him even more dastardly yet charming than I wrote him. He just really amped everything up. And don't forget that Jay Preston is a professional voiceover actor. He's got a huge library of stuff he's done, including some video games that you as Wastelanders and post-apocalypse fans might enjoy. So check him out at theboothofus.com. B-O-O-T-H-O-F-U-S.com. Show him some love because he's putting in a lot of effort him and his wife, Megan, are putting in a lot of effort for this show. You know, they, they send me quite a bit of voiceover 
stuff, and uh, I just really appreciate it. I appreciate all my voiceover actors. Which brings me to the next person making his debut on the show as Mutt, even though he had the one line in this episode, is my friend Sean Cunningham right here in Nashville. He's a musician, and he's got a really unique and um, incredible voice. If you get a chance to check out his music, it's truly captivating. He's become, uh, well, I've become a huge fan of his uh, after we met a couple years ago, and you can check him out. I think he does his YouTube's not huge yet. He's got a couple songs on there, but also if you go to his Instagram, he's got his link tree there, so you can find all his stuff. And his Instagram link is at Sean the Cunning, and it's spelled S E A N T H E C U N N I N G. I had a ton of fun doing some of the sound effects for this episode. There, I use a library to get me started for the sake of speed, so I'm not trying to fully every sound effect we're doing, but they don't have everything, and even if they do have a sound effect, sometimes it's not the right quality that I'm looking for or the, the right intonation that I'm looking for. Anyway, they did not have a few sound effects for this episode, so um, it's kind of funny when I go around the house doing Foley because I'm dragging this microphone around with, with m my recorder and headphones, and I'm just like making noise here and there. Um, for this one, I needed Mutt to be crawling through the grass and that is the sound of my like makeshifts um, wasteland jacket, which is a military jacket rubbing up against a very soft piece of fabric. So that's him crawling through the grass. And then um, oddly enough, there's no sound effect for opening an MRE pouch. Isn't that weird? But um, I was able to use a, um, a, a bag of jerky. And fun fact, it is the test jerky for Dead Raider jerky, by the way. I'm still working on that product. If you want to try Dead Raider Jerky, here's the thing. If I'm going to do Dead Raider Jerky, I need to order like 300 bags minimum, something like that. And uh, each bag will be priced around, oh, what is it, like eight bucks? But I think I could do all three for like 20 or 25 or something like that. If you would buy Dead Raider Jerky if I made it, let me know, because that's a product that would be a huge investment on the front but doesn't last very long. Like the stickers and the pins and the t-shirts, like I, I can keep them stored in my little merch box forever and it's okay. But once I commit to stuff like food, oh boy, the rules change and uh, I got to sell them. So if you're interested, I, I, I might need to do a pre-sale on that like I did with some of the other stuff because I legitimately can't do it if they don't sell. <laughs> but I want to do it so bad because I think it would be so fun to just walk around with a bag of Dead Raider jerky. Yeah, so I, I used the beef jerky bag to uh, simulate opening, opening it up in Murray, which is kind of fun. And that was right in the beginning of the episode. Uh, and then the, the one that gave me the most trouble in this was the blades falling in the sand when Bile is, is killing Jonesy. Uh, spoilers, in case you didn't listen to the episode. <laughs> but uh, the other raiders throw some machetes in the, in, the, in the dirt next to him, and I could not find anything that sounded like that. They had some other sound effects, but uh, they just weren't quite right, so... I went outside to record it and I had to do it so many times because it is now springtime here in Nashville and that means it's birds all day and bugs all night. There's never a time when it sounds like the desert here. It just always sounds so alive and so it, it took me a few but I got it and I'm, I'm happy about that but it is really funny because my outdoor foliaging is done for the year pretty much. <laughs> Let's see, in some other news, I am still looking for more stories for season two. Uh, if you have some tribe lore or some stories that you've written that kind of fall into this world, it doesn't have to necessarily revolve around Wasteland City. Um, you know, it's just the legends of Wasteland City. So it's uh, the Wasteland City tribes. Basically, if, 
if you have a post-apocalypse story, I want to read it and I want to see if it's right for the show. So feel free to send it in. But I did have another Wasteland tribe reach out this week with some stories they put together for their tribe's lore. And I'm really excited to dive into those. They're really fun. They're a little bit shorter, so I might combine a couple of them into one episode, which I think would be kind of cool. But um, yeah, get excited because I'm already working on season two, guys. Oh, all right. So big news. Um, We are still looking for more patrons to hit the short-term goal of 50. And in order to help that, one of our listeners and fabulous Patreon supporters, Relia Bill, has offered up a raffle prize to get more people excited about joining. He's made a prop grenade that's made to look like a like a Mario Brothers babam, but it's in drab green, so it fits in with uh, the Dukes of the Nuke here, along with a pocket-sized first aid kit, which actually has real supplies in it, so you can carry it around if you're going to one of the festivals. Um, and once the Patreon hits 50 subscribers, this is official, this is happening, there's no... Um, it's already in the works. Once it hits 50 subscribers, we're going to throw all the names into a hat and pick one at random. And that'll be live on the Apocalypse Post Instagram. And you'll get this wonderful little prize package in the mail. And uh, a huge thanks for Reliabill for putting up such an amazing prize. This is really fun. And I get really excited when people um, want to help the show any way they can. And this is just one of so many ways. If anyone else wants to do something like that, we've had it before. The Cult of Cat Meat has offered a prize um, for one of the live YouTube shows. But yeah, I, I love doing that. And, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time for pr- prop making these days because I'm working on this show so much. My God, all my free time. Guys, I seriously, writing, rewriting, recording, going around to everyone's place, trying to get some voiceovers, sending notes through the mail. It's it's a lot of work. It's, it's such a labor of love, though. Um, And uh, that's just one of so many ways you can help support the channel and the show. First is, of course, becoming a patron. And if you do it now, you will, of course, be in the drawing to win this prize. That works for any amount. And I mean, pretty much across the board for the Patreon, all the tiers are the same. So you can join at the you know, $400 a week mark, or you can join at the $1 a week mark. And it's, you're, you're all just, you're all patrons. You're all in the same. I mean, there's different names and... There may be some differences for higher tiers later, but right now, you know, it's it's a democracy. Everyone's equal on the Patreon. Um, the other is, if you want to leave a one-time donation, there is a Venmo link in the show notes, uh, along with the Patreon link. I just mentioned where you can always submit a story to add to the show. Uh, I'm also very interested if anyone is a professional voiceover artist out there and wants to contribute your voice to the show. I would love to... Um, See if we got a role for you. So send me a note, theapocpost at gmail.com. And of course, you can always buy something from our merch store, The Apocalypse Outpost. There's t-shirts, stickers, lip balm, posters, all sorts of cool stuff on there. We have uh, the Apocabob pins, postcards, just a little bit of everything. And one of my listeners just said that he had a hard time getting signed up on the Patreon. So he just decided to uh, donate by buying some stuff, which is totally fair. I love it 100%. Everyone can help out in different ways. If you want to show your support by buying merch, please do. If you want to just straight up donate, please do, because um, it helps me to create this stuff. Um, you guys don't even realize how helpful it is. Every and, and the people around my house will tell you that I get so excited. Every order that comes in, every new patron that signs up i'm practically squeaking with excitement because every single time someone signs up or buys something i just it makes me feel so good and lastly the folks behind wasteland weekend just put on their newest event called neotropolis i unfortunately was not able to go but i have seen a few pictures come out of the event and it was looking absolutely amazing um i'm not having fomo right now 
because the fear is it's not just fear i i missed out that's that's what i'm feeling i missed out and if you didn't go i'm sorry to say it, you missed out too but uh at least we're in it together i heard back from some fellow dukes with a nuke that went as a new tribe uh they were called the infrared scare a uh, pretty clever name uh, and it's kind of interesting because a lot of the photos look a heck of a lot like Wasteland Weekend. You know, they're kind of reusing some of the structures, a lot of the camps, you reuse some stuff. But, of course, everyone's in these, like, bright 80s uh, clubbing-style futuristic clothes and, and costumes. But where the big difference came out was in the nighttime shots, where it was all neon and LED walls and these pools of, of just bright lights, and suddenly... Everything that's black light reflective is glowing. It looks super cool. It does look like a whole different world. So I'm super excited to see some of the video from the event and hopefully get to go next time. Well, all right, guys, I think that about wraps it up for this week. But thank you so much for listening and sticking around. If uh, I know some people are probably skipping my my closing chats and getting on to the next chapter, but uh, I do appreciate you sticking around and just, you know hearing what I got to say every week. And uh, I'm going to try to keep these episodes coming out weekly. This one is definitely the most ambitious story that I've done so far because it's big. The chapter is a little bit longer. There's a hell of a lot more characters. So bear with me if I um, if I skip a week here or there to try to keep up. And um, that's about it. So thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. And make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends. And if you hated it, Share it with your enemies. And if that doesn't kill them quite fast enough, just throw in a machete. I'll see you next time, survivors. Stay alive. Ender.